0: Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm a teacher and a researcher and a bodybuilding enthusiast. Whoa. He's changed his handle. Yeah. Rob Fortress,
1: Fortney. I'm going to stay with the old one. I'm just a just journalist, uh, former editor of Musma International, former competitive bodybuilder, powerlifter. Oh, I said former competitive bodybuilder, now current powerlifter, strength enthusiast, and all-around awesome air guitar aficionado. Ooh, air guitar. Um,
2: this is Phil Stevens. I am a power Lifter Highland Games Athlete, strength coach, run Strength Guild, and founder of lifterhope.org.
0: Right on. Okay, let's start with some news. Uh, strength and Muscle Sport News. I've got a, a variety of news topics here. Everybody, our topic for today is actually going to be protein. We're going to do a protein episode. Uh, Partly to recognize the the book, uh, the protein book that some of you actually listened to the, all the way to the end of the show. You hear about that. But um, this first news, science news blurb is really unrelated. I just want to turn people on to something. There's been two geeky uh, pastimes I've been following lately that you might be interested in. One is uh, the um, TED Talks, uh, Technology, Engineering, and Design. Uh, I'm not going to get into that today. But the other one is Through the Wormhole with Morgan Freeman. This is a, It's on Science Channel. It's really good stuff. And a lot of it, it's, you know, um, my wife calls it my space shows. Uh, but the, this particular uh, episode that just premiered last night at 10 p.m., uh, it's called uh, Should Scientists Try to Create a New Race of Humans? And bear with me on this. This isn't just general science. I'm going somewhere with this. It says, could scientists use genetic engineering or other means to modify the human body to create genetically superior race of people? Um, apparently, this concept is called transhumanism. It's a movement that envisions using technology to alter the human body. Um, it goes on to say that, for example, uh, in one version of this, the new model human would start with a genome that's been systematically tinkered with by way of RNA interference. So for people who aren't cell savvy, you know, RNA is the message that comes out of your nucleus. Nucleus, It goes out to the little ribosome factory in the cell and tells, you know, what proteins to make. Make me some contractile proteins or make me an enzyme or, or what have you. Um, so anyway, RNA interference to suppress certain human imperfections. Uh, such as the tendency to put on excessive weight or develop an inherited disease. So that's interesting stuff. And then it goes on to say, um, of course, there's troubling dilemmas with a lot of this. Should we add an amendment to the UN, um, their human rights declaration, and say everybody gets access to these enhancements? Uh, or would it be a privilege only available to the elite few? Of course, this almost sounds like science fiction, but the reason I'm bringing it up is because... I can't help but see parallels with bodybuilding and powerlifting. I mean, bodybuilders and powerlifters and more recent to the scene strongman, they've been trying to manipulate themselves with technology, i.e. drugs or, uh, you know, different kinds of equipment, uh, for decades. So I, I think it's very interesting that all of a sudden this is a, a very hip topic and once it's open up to everybody and not just somebody who's a strength enthusiast, now all of a sudden this is worthy of discussion and it's not just poo pooed as bizarre or uh cultish or freakish. You know, of course, which is what bodybuilding and powerlifting often they get those sort of stigmas. I mean, I brought up something about powerlifting a couple of months ago to um, there was actually a woman I worked with. One of them was a power lifter and the other one was not. And I said, are, are you the power lifter? I can't remember. And she was like offended that I, you know, I would ask that she's a power lifter. Like, well, are, what are you saying? I'm fat? And that kind of thing. But anyway, the point is I can't help but see a lot of parallels as, as this through the wormhole starts to explore genetic engineering because, of course, that's going to be the ultimate frontier when it comes to uh, modifying ourselves. Uh, Beyond pharmaceuticals, beyond growth hormone, IGF one, or anabolic steroids, or whatever, people literally turning on and off certain genes or, or you know, protein sequences uh, to look a certain way. I mean, you could literally give yourself, you know, chlorophyll in your skin and make your own carbohydrates. I mean, crazy stuff. Um, so anyway, I just thought that was sort of fascinating. Of course. Uh, there's people who are really warning against this. This says, uh, Britt Gillette, a Christian blogger, sees transhumanism as a sign of the end times. Mm. Uh, and, and then it goes on to say a more articulate article was offered by Johns Hopkins University political economist Francis, uh, Fukuyama. And he argued that transhumanist tinkering may actually backfire, resulting in worse versions of humanity than what we now have. And again, with the parallels with bodybuilding, because what do we talk about? Palumboism and disappearing tricep syndrome, all these kinds of weird things that when, if you tinker, uh, you play with fire, you can get burned. You know? Right. So, anyway. Well, I mean, we... and the zombie apocalypse.
1: Yeah, well, hey, well, you know, or the face-eating apocalypse. But I'll tell you, um yeah, I mean, what has been, you know, um very rich fodder for, you know, thrillers and horrors, you know, for several decades, the whole concept of, you know, messing around with genetics and genes of the human species and, you know, creating like monsters and deformed creatures and all all such. So
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well that's from uh I should give the author Patrick Kiger, it looks like. And again, it this is science channel. It's through the wormhole. Uh it it premiered last night but it usually continues for a week or, or so. And you could people check that out if they're interested. I just think it's very interesting that all of a sudden this is, it doesn't seem that bizarre. It's more of a techie, futurist kind of thing. And it's just flavored so differently from, again, what I think bodybuilders have been doing for ages, which is trying to enhance what Mother Nature gave them. Right.
1: You know, I just saw something on the news, actually, a few days ago. Um, Lonnie, perhaps you've seen about this or heard about this. Um, A rat, in a study, was actually successfully treated with stem cells and... Um for the animal lo- lovers out there, the rat um, wasn't harmed. Um, its it's back, let, back quarters, its back two legs were paraly- paralyzed from birth. And they actually successfully uh, treated it with stem cells. And they, had, they have video of it, like uh, walking along a treadmill. Oh, yeah?
0: I saw something with a dog recently. Uh, if people aren't familiar, stem cells are... Um Pluripotent. They can become different things when they mature. You can make them go in different directions. Uh, they're in a minority in any kind of cell population. Uh, but once you harvest them, they, they're really the future of medicine. And when people talk about, oh, you can't use those, it's somehow uh, unethical, or I- I'm not sure where some people go with that, but clearly they're the future of medicine. When you look at stem cell research, regrowing organs, yeah, regenerating nervous tissue like you're talking about, re- truly... Uh, the future of medicine, the whole stem cell thing. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, my next uh, blurb sets up uh, the topic of the day, which is protein again. Uh, this is uh, May 31st, 2012, so brand new. Uh, comparative effects of a low-carb, high-protein diet versus low-fat diets on the kidney. And one of the things we actually cover in this, uh, the protein book that we're going to give away today, actually, uh, one of the copies, uh, is the safety of high-protein diets. So let me just set this up just quickly. This is Friedman and colleagues. It says, concerns exist about deleterious renal effects of low-carb, high-protein weight-loss diets. The issue was addressed in a secondary analysis uh, in a randomized, controlled, long-term trial. 307 obese adults without serious medical illnesses were part of the study. They were assigned to either a low-carb, high-protein group or a low-fat weight loss group for two years. So here's the results. Uh, the low-carb, high-protein consumption was associated with minor reductions in serum creatinine and cystatin C. And then it goes on to say urinary calcium excretion increased at 3 and 12 months, around 36%, uh, but without changes in bone density. And that's another issue in the um, Dietary Protein Resistance Exercise book that we're going to give away today. Our, our lit review is very much in agreement with this. So this new study uh, very much supports the other literature that we've been digging up over the last two years, that high-protein diets do not stress your kidneys, and they do not weaken your bones. The extra calcium you see in your urine is because you're probably absorbing calcium better from your diet. So if you absorb more, you pee away more, and your bones are never part of it. So conclusions in healthy, obese individuals, a low-carb, high-protein weight-loss diet over two years was not associated with noticeably harmful effects.
1: Can't say I'm surprised, really.
0: No, well, you know, and again, I was talking about how bodybuilders or powerlifters over the decades guinea pig themselves. Obviously, they've stumbled across this idea that, High-protein diets keep muscles more or less full, or that's probably not the right word, but help maintain lean body mass while you diet. And that carbohydrate intake goes up or down. Really, that's what's changing as you're gaining or losing weight is is carbs. I mean, fats as well, but carbs and fats are your fuel. Protein are the building blo- is the build- building blocks, and there you have it. So, right. yeah, probably not a big surprise in the bodybuilding world. So, I don't know, the medical establishment should really, I think, study... Uh, strength athletes more closely because it's almost like an anthropologist studying some distant culture right you can really learn a lot from the from this group that's already doing it they're all right, we're already yeah. doing it
1: yeah, yeah so. well in, in so many ways i mean <laughs> there's so many just you know ready-made studies sitting right there in the strength you know uh sporting community that are being ignored and of course a you make mention of that often but uh yeah. I, I guess so much of it has to do with, again, ethics or, you know, just uh, controlling the groups or... Well,
0: eating. I'm actually concerned that on on some level, you've got uh, nephrologists or, you know, renal dietitians, for example. Uh, kidney dietitians, actually a large portion of their practice, it, they get paid, they get reimbursed for withholding protein from patients. <laughs> and although kidney damage is one thing, that shouldn't be extrapolated to all healthy people, right? Yeah. So you need to be very careful with that. I mean, if you look at the literature, unless you've got combined hypertension and diabetes, or you have, uh, pre-existing kidney damage, then the benefits clearly outweigh the, the drawbacks, I would think, of purposely consuming extra protein at different times of the day.
1: Right. And as you've just said, a lot of those are, I mean, uh, you know, not assumed, but, you know, theories that don't necessarily hold up to scientific scrutiny. So,
0: Well, and there's money involved, right? I mean, if this is a huge part of, of your practice as a clinician. You don't want this debunked. You don't want the you, – you're going to be – you could be hesitant. And when the research starts to not support the thing that you get paid for, which is withholding money, you know, withholding protein – then what do you do? What's your claim to fame as far as helping the kidney patients? Mm-hmm. If yeah. withholding the protein doesn't help them, what's your practice going to be based on? That's my concern with some of these sorts of things. Right. Um, there's that old Upton Sinclair quote. He says it's, it's hard to get a man to understand something when his salary depends on him not understanding it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, right. And I think that's sort of classic with all this. But right. Well, you again, know,
1: it's just, you know, just to use an analogy, you know, something that's, on the other side of the coin but similar it's just you know in Canada here we have all these oil sands and stuff that you know the, the government seems to be our government seems to be you know consciously choosing to ignore all these scientists who are saying it's you know environmentally a bad idea and I just read something saying oh you know they ho- Canada hopes to be you know um um importing so you know what 35% of the world's oil by you know 2033 or something from these oil sands and it's it's like it's such a lack of progressive thinking right because it's, you're thinking we're you talking about 20 years from now <laughs> these people are still planning for fossil fuels to be burnt <laughs> 20 years from now you know, when the technology exists three or four years, uh, you know, three or four decades ago for electricity and hydrogen and all these kinds of things. Well, it definitely I'm, takes I'm just time to
0: transition, but well, at the no, same time, right, I agree. Just making, just it's almost like point. too little, too late in a way. Or? Right, I'm just I making don't. the point of what you said about how it's
1: like, you know, there, there's, there's so much money incentive for all these companies and people to, you know, ignore, you know, that, that oh, you know, event is inevitable I'm, that. You know, these, this, you know, our current way of thinking about things is is, is going the way of the frigging dodo bird. You know, we've got to
0: move on. But it's profitable then, right now, so we're going to stick with it.
1: Exactly, it's making lots right. of people lots of moolah. So, you know, we'll ignore the betterment of the greater society as a whole and just kind of, you know, focus on our bank accounts. So it's it's a sad state of affairs. But, you know, this just proves that it kind of crosses all different industries. You know, this whole uh, you know filthy lucre pursuit.
0: Well, it is the concern, and i 'll tell you it 's not easy to have evidence based practice to take science and put it into practice and I mean, I think it 's true with clinicians just like it is coaches and i know I know Phil can you know speak to this as well, but just because the science is there, sometimes it, it takes a while for it to actually be put into practice. And then the practitioners will say, oh, this, this, and this worked, but these other things that seem like they worked in the lab, they're not really working quite like we hoped in some people. You know, yeah. then you, it's just sort of this translational loop back and forth. My concern, of course, is that, again, politics or money, I mean, not only just money we were talking about before, but nobody who's been telling people not to eat protein for decades, they don't want to have egg on their face and say, oh, I was wrong. Yeah. But what they need to do is not have that kind of ownership. I mean, well, gurus are famous for that. They'll tell people to, that a certain truth exists, their little proprietary blend or formula of you know um, weight loss or whatever it is in their little book is the secret. It's the new rules. It's the new revolution. And how can they go back and change their conclusions in the light of new evidence? They'll just debunk all those earlier books and they won't have any sales. So they have to cling to the old concepts you know what I mean? So that's where scientists actually, I think, there's a disconnect with practitioners sometimes because the science changes. And let's face it, science doesn't care what we want, right? As we observe yeah. new things, oh, you got to write that down. It's time to change your conclusion. And just like last week, I know we were sort of uh, blowing our own horns a little about not selling out, but that's, that's so critically important because if something comes along, I mean, if I start reading a whole bunch of papers about how damaging protein is to your kidneys – Despite my own work, I'm going to have to rethink it, and I will tell people, "Gosh, I guess I'm going to rethink my conclusions here because there's new evidence." You but of know?
1: course, that's also assuming that, and this is unfor- an unfortunate commentary, but that's also assuming that all scientists are not on the take. And uh, you know, as you and I know, Lonnie, without mentioning names, there are scientists also who are, you know, um, good point. And to but, use the word that you to always used for, for you know, massaging data and. You know, all that type of stuff to to the, their own fan, financial gain, you know, and corporate no, gain. No, so, so the, I mean, I, I, it's, I
0: guess I'm talking about real science, right? right Not corrupt right. or pseudoscience. The real science, it's it's really trying to get it to trickle down into practice and do some good. Right. You're right, though. There, there's definitely ethical issues all the way through from the generation of the new information, all the way through the application of it. Right. You know? so, I mean, and, you and again, have... scientists, just like coaches or people, or nurses or dieticians or people they've got their own financial interests and and flaws, you know, uh, we're we're human beings. And so we just have to try to rise above that, I guess, and and pursue truth. I know that sounds a little syrupy, but that's got to be the end result here.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Uh,
2: Any other news? (laughs) Do you have something? Yeah, I I was going to give a couple things. Um, Give an update of what I'm at uh, here with my arm. Um, Got my splint off. Went in and we uh, met with the surgeon. And I got full mobility, and, uh, it looks like this time I won't lose any supination, which is pretty awesome. Because I lost about half of it last time. Oh, and, really? Uh, mm. Yeah, I can only turn my hand, like, uh, quarter of the way up. So oh. it palms up, um, on the last one. But, uh, everything looked to go off without a hitch, and, you know, my is all healed up great. Um, I'm back in a cast, but this time, due to how everything's healing, it's two weeks instead of eight. So, and then I'll be back on the road to training, so. Um, so, yeah, everything went well there. I've been pulling some deadlifts and squatting and stuff like that,
0: so. Take it uh, slow. Take
1: it slow. Well, one armed.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, okay,
1: okay, arm. Yeah, one armed. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, uh, geez, you've been already deadlifting with that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my god. No.
0: I know. <laughs> um,
2: and then, no, I just wanted to give a shout out. We had some great comments on last week's show, the, uh, When We Grow Up show. Um, figured, I, figured I'd throw a few of those out because it seemed like a pretty, uh, popular episode. But, uh, Matt came on and said it was a great show. Um, he's the same age as us guys, and he has a lot of the same feelings. It's good to be reminded of these important life lessons. Um, Neil Day had a, had a good point. He's, uh, said he's not in the field. He's not in the strength conditioning or nutrition field, but he's a, uh, a physicist. And he mm-hmm. said, this is great words of advice applicable to everyone no matter what they do. Mm-hmm. So, um, just want to thank them for, uh, people, chiming you, in and listening to So people to the show. wondered,
1: Phil, Phil's got a second, second job there delivering pizza, so.
2: Yeah, he's yeah. he's
1: just taking orders there on the on the phone. Taking orders. Over this place man. It's it's busy busy busy. Um
2: yeah, I just wanted to shoot that out there and uh thanks for the feedback and um we got a bunch of guests coming up. I landed uh, five or six this week. So we got some good episodes coming up. So
0: yeah, good thanks. summer coming up, a nice mix. We're trying to purposely leave in a couple of episodes that's just gym talk. I know we get some feedback on a fairly regular basis about hey, mm-hmm. I you know, you guys can just, you know, um chat (laughs) try not to swear about you know whatever you guys are doing with the lifting or what's in the news or what have you so purposely we'll leave a guest out every once in a while but yeah we do have a nice lineup of guests both uh you know science people coaches uh, even an olympic coach
2: on that note i've talked to several people lately and the resounding theme i've gotten that they said that makes them like us compared to other podcasts was we actually talk about training they said (laughs) Um, I was amazed but they said yeah you know you listen to other ones and he said they'll get off on tangents just talking about themselves what they did this weekend what movies they saw and this and that and we do that too uh, to some extent but even when we're talking about ourselves we tie it back into training and and how people can use that and we kind of
1: make it applicable to to other people I guess Um, yeah yeah. that's because we actually like lifting weights yeah Yeah. right (laughs) amazing
0: Well, and you know, just like we were saying, we're not going to try to be wed to any kind of little proprietary system and be afraid that we're going to go against what we said earlier or something. It's actually real, evolving training. And it's it's actually, what I was going to say was, uh, in the topic of the day, when we talk about protein, we're going to actually share some of our our own dietary habits. I mean, you know, it's very transparent, just like we talked last week with uh, career goals and everything. I think... You know, it's just authentic. If you're transparent, authentic, then people are like, yeah, you know, these guys are, are for real. In fact, when you look at the iTunes reviews, that's, I think more often than not, you hear stuff like, oh, they're the real deal. Well,
2: yeah.
0: yes, we are. We actually lift hard, and we we try to learn more as we go, and you know, we eat big, and all this stuff we're preaching, we, blow we actually eat. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, low biceps, biceps. low
1: biceps, and deliver pizza.
0: There you go. <laughs> you're just not letting go of that one. No, okay. Not. All right. Well, let's go oh, ahead. Man. Let's do our break. When we come back, um, I'll start with a little excerpt from the uh, Dietary Protein and Resistance Exercise book uh, that Phil is gracing the cover. And then we'll talk about um, protein. Sounds good. And we're back. We're going to start with just a little uh, reading from the preface of this book. I'm not going to bore people with a long read, but I just want to set this book up. We're going to give away one of these books. Oh, and before I forget, who are we going to give it away to? Well, Phil's idea, and I think it was the best one, was if you post an epic protein meal on our Facebook listeners page, preferably with a picture, but if you can even describe it, I guess, um we 'll take a look at anybody who can share their most epic protein meal and we 'll pick the best and give you a book we 'll actually give you one. I have a very small number of these uh, i 'm really hoarding these things uh, like you know being a miser with them because there's so few of them but these this is a hundred dollar textbook, so you will win one of these. We will send you one at no cost if you share how epically you consume protein. <laughs>
1: and you know what? It, I think it should be mentioned that when we have contests like this, like it can get to be a little bit of a challenge for us, the host, to try and like weed through it because of all the... Um, it'd be best if the person who, who first posts an epic protein meal, all people afterward, check to see if there's one already in existence, and then just okay. add to that. Yes. E, 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 I, I think you guys get what I'm saying. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Uh, because yeah. then it
1: just makes it easier on us. Uh,
0: Name us your here. post "Epic Protein Meal" or something. And right. Everybody look for it.
1: And the, every look for that. And if you don't see one, then start start one. And then everybody after that, yeah, just add to that one. Because otherwise, it's gonna be an absolute nightmare trying to figure out which. Well, one here. I'll just go right now on Facebook. Oh. and I will
0: put
2: put "Epic Protein Meal" post here. All <laughs> right. Look at me.
1: No. Come to the rescue. Yeah,
0: free services abound. Yeah. All right, so
1: everybody <laughs> out there, yeah, Phil's creating one. So don't start another one. Look for that, and then just add to that. That that
0: on our Facebook that. listeners page, correct? Yeah.
1: I got another thing to do with books.
2: If uh, I, I I ordered a book and I had the wrong book sent to me, so if anybody out there, I, I got a book sent to me on dates, as in like the prune. <laughs> oh, I <I'll laughs> think. <laughs> and, it's like the medicinal, medicinal uses and eating. and but If anybody has a passion for dates, <laughs> drop me a line on the Iron Radio Facebook page. I will be glad to pass this. I can't believe they sent
0: you. You're on the cover of the book, and instead of sending you the protein book, they sent the power level of the book on dates.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, So I, I will gladly pass that book on to you. I will even pay the shipping to the continent of the United
0: States. Phil, I will set – I have just a very few number of copies. I will set one of these aside for you, man. I'll just – it to you. That, that's, that's interesting. Okay, here's the preface. This, this sets the stage of the book and our topic. So um, according to Dr. Carl Sagan, scientific debates are often settled not by better arguments but by better instruments and research. You hold in your hands a research compendium that is hoped will update and clarify the issues surrounding purposeful protein intakes and resistance trainers, especially strength athletes. Whether this book being a central resource will reduce the controversy is anyone's guess. The discussions and debates surrounding dietary protein in sport, particularly for this population, are decades old. They are in many respects only recently being settled. And then the, uh, just from the end of the preface, it says, Jose Antonio and I hope you enjoy learning from this much-needed central resource on dietary protein and resistance training. As you read, we encourage you to form your own conclusions. Remain curious, but employ a high standard, weighing the evidence. The result is a pursuit of truth that can only serve to enhance your performance and your practice. Nice. So this is a textbook, uh, as we've said before, and uh, it's so much work. I mean... This is a, a dozen or so of the most uh, w- targeted protein and bodybuilding or, t- or protein and powerlifting kinds of authors across the country. These guys are, you know, they're very much up our alley. They're the science types that all many of them who also lift um, recreationally or quite seriously. I mean, Lane Norton's in here. David Barr, uh, Josh Cotter, who's a postdoc out in California and also a bodybuilder. Uh, I wrote the chapter on safety. Um, Peter Lemon, who is really one of the founding fathers of protein intake and resistance training. So uh, a real resource, and I'm, I'm, I'm proud of this book. It took us two years to compile all this stuff and have it in one place so you could actually hold it up, as I say at the end of the show in the ad, and say this is what the literature says about you know your high-protein diet. So, Okay, so that leads us to the questions uh, or talking points for today's topic. And um we can start well let's start with Phil. You I know you've studied nutrition a lot uh even yeah. as you're going through art school and whatnot. So how important would you say protein is to a, a powerlifter or a bodybuilder or a strongman? Oh, to a powerlifter usually
2: I mean I think um to all of them it's very important. Usually to powerlifters um except for the light weight class ones, we generally just tend to get enough because we tend to eat a lot. Good point. Um, yes. So <laughs> Um, it's pretty hard not to get enough in when you're cramming in so many calories. Um, and probably same set for, for off-season bodybuilders and definitely strongman competitors unless you're, you're lighter weight classes. And that's the only time I really tend to,
1: tend to focus on my protein intake. And, or you're one of these bodybuilders who tends to always want to, you know, remain at like 5% body fat. Yeah. Or that. Right.
2: But I mean, the only time I really tend to focus on my protein is when I'm dieting, um, when I'm trying to go down in weight, um, to make sure I'm getting enough, because I'm just pretty darn sure by eating all of the meat and steaks and chicken and whatnot that I'm doing. The rest of the time, I'm, I'm there.
0: Well, I'll, if I can share, Phil, something to support what you're saying. Every semester, practically, for the last dozen years, I've had freshman classes. You know, these are hundreds of students. They write down everything they eat for three days, and they analyze it. And, you know, the whole idea is to sort of wake them up about, oh, wow, I, I eat like three grams of fiber a day. I'm supposed to get 40, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, the males in the class as the guys they never have a problem with almost any nutrient because they're eating like 3000 or more calories a day at least a lot of them are and just by the by the nature that they're they're late teenagers growing like weeds and eating like animals they're not deficient in anything you know usually including protein and of course unless they're wolfing down bags of chips or something but you know i, I agree with what you're saying very much and i see that uh, reflected even in the general student population that when you eat a ton you you almost cover all your bases by accident, you know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So yeah, yeah. And, I mean, and that's kind of the, the the mandate I would think for most you know powerlifters and so and strongmen is basically the whole like just eat everything in the kitchen sink and just cover all your bases, yeah. you know, because like like you know the, why would you want to ma- micromanage something as important as nutrition when you're you know end game. Hopes are just to you know to be as big and strong as possible, as physically possible. It, it makes no sense right. to you know again trying to you know find detail yeah. things and be you know. So I think if, as I
0: was going to say, yeah. if you're the kind of person who find yourself eating whole bags of chips and ice cream and stuff like that, and you know maybe you should try to keep in mind that every you know three or four hours you're you're getting some protein in you, you yeah. know, but. um yeah, and I think. agree, and I know there's a lot of power lifters who they just don't micromanage their nutrition at all like some of the bodybuilders do. Yeah. yeah.
2: I think, but then, you know, like I was saying, on the other end of the spectrum, we have, like, my wife, who is staying in a weight class. So recently, three or four weeks ago, she just started really paying attention to her protein intake, and her recovery and everything has really seen benefits from that. Um, mm-hmm. Because she, you know, on a limited calorie intake, more limited than mine, of course, um, even though she can, eat. who isn't? Um, <laughs> even though she, she, she can put away some food, but uh, you know it's she's shown benefit from just giving a little extra attention to that. But,
0: yeah, actually, if I can give a one tip to people, I tend to do better. I think with my physique and my progress when I just try to count grams of protein a day. I don't really obsess over calorie counting or grams of carbs and fats that much. When I <laughs> just try to make sure I'm getting. Over 200 grams of protein a day, let's say. Yeah. Then a lot of the other things start to take care of themselves, you yeah. know, because you're eating less junk when you're full of a bunch of, you know, lean beef and, and turkey sandwiches and all sure. those sorts of things. You know what I mean? I so it. I <clears> think <throat> if you're going to count something, don't count calories, count grams of protein. Get yourself yeah. a gram per pound or so. And that's really going to help uh, clean up your diet and make it a better quality diet in a lot of cases.
1: Yeah. I, I think for the average person, that's true. I, as you know, Lonnie, I, I, Tend to basically have a kind of a natural inclination towards eating mostly clean anyway, um,
0: yeah you know, yeah you uh, have
1: and i don't, i don't really know particularly why if, if that's kind of you know the, the chicken before the egg thing kind of thing, the whole thing I don 't know if that's a result of my roots in competitive bodybuilding or it's just because
0: I think it is Robin i 'll tell you why I think you formed habits, I think you enjoy the taste of simple foods without the intensely sugared, intensely sweet garbage and sauces and goop. You, yeah, and I think you've asked, I mean, if you actually learned to at what, like, you
1: know. Yeah, if you actually look what I eat on an average day, I mean, yeah, I consume a lot of meat and stuff. But I mean, I get yeah, like sauces and all that kind of stuff, and candy and junk, and I, I don't, you know, to me, as you guys know, to me, uh, uh hugely. Uh, what a wonderful tasty meal for me is a hamburger, you know, or a, mm-hmm. some piece of pizza. I mean, outside of that, I'm, I'm really not kind of a junk guy. And I'm only bringing this up because I'm only saying in opposition to what you just said, Lonnie, not saying that I don't think that what you said is, again, pertinent to the average person. But for me, basically because of what I just said, I've really rarely ever found myself counting proteins. I mean, back when I was a competitive bodybuilder, sure, I would always want to have a You know, a general idea of what I was consuming, and try and you know get within a ballpark of what I thought would be appropriate. Yeah,
0: ballpark. I'm not. I don't. I don't walk around with a calculator.
1: Right. Right. But um, even certainly more so now that I've you know um, been a powerlifter now, and that's been my focus for you know a number of years. I, I I always find myself more thinking of in terms of again, and this goes back to maybe the fact that I do eat generally clean most of the time. I find myself more focused on have I eaten another enough total calories you know like because because i actually strangely enough maybe because of all the you know what my diet being mostly clean i can i can actually fall short of my caloric you know uh does no goals i for I, it I
0: understand quite easily yeah.
1: you know like i'll be like oh man i eat five times a day and i'll kind of do a rough gu- you know i'm not again just like with protein I'm, I'm never down to the point where if i you know was it you know give or take you know 100 calories here or there
0: Absolutely. But, you know, sometimes
1: I'll be like, geez, I ate five times today and I only got, like, you know, 2,300 calories in. What the hell's up with that?
0: You know, I don't purposely Was it. Happen. Was it Lee Labrada? Somebody once said how much, you know, brown rice and broccoli you have to eat to get to 4,000 oh, calories yeah. a
1: day. Yeah. You know, yeah. exactly and that's the, yeah. that's my dilemma so some more often than not i'm thinking it's easy now like like i said even with i try and eat between four and six meals a day and sometimes i'll be like geez, i'm you know several hundred calories short of cotton basically of kind of kind of where i want to be so yeah. um you know so that 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 for me um uh, for my lifestyle the way i've kind of um you know trained myself to eat i i that to me is a more of a, a pressing matter having said that um, again, going back to my bodybuilding days, I'm always very protein conscious, mm-hmm. um, meaning that the foods I gravitate towards without really thinking Gravity tend to- right tend yep. to be more protein rich things. Like just before yep. this um, podcast, I was like, I gotta get some calories in. You know, I want to get five six hundred calories in. And what was it that I ate? I ate you know I, I, I grabbed a blender, I put six whole eggs in there, a bunch of chocolate milk, and a banana. So you know, and just and just drank that back. So right. You know, so again, it wasn't, I wasn't thinking protein. It was just, but, uh, you know, when I think, oh, I need five or six hundred calories, the calories more often than not, a majority tend to be derived from the protein sources. So,
2: right. Yeah. I was going to give another tip too. Um, if you're eating carbohydrates, you know, if if you are that person of the knocks back bag of chips, just kind of view as carbohydrate as a delivery vehicle. If you are using the carbohydrate to deliver some kind of protein, then you're probably going to make a big, step in the right direction. I mean, then if you are having carbs, at least you're you're, you're it's packing something else.
0: You know, a nerdy way uh, to say that, Phil. I think the geek way would be would be to say the insulin triggers the mTOR pathway, you know, protein synthesis in muscles. And then so will the leucine and along especially along with the other essential amino acids. So you're really getting that sort of double whammy. On, uh, you know, kicking up protein synthesis. The carbohydrates, not only are they energy to knit together all that muscle, I think people forget, you know, when they overemphasize protein, you need the energy to actually synthesize, you know, the new protein.
1: Yeah. And that's something that several years ago. Uh, but it's ago, also
0: I mean, hormonal, that's all.
1: Several years ago, I remember Lonnie that you really kind of drove that home with me and you weren't trying to educate me on that. We were just talking about things and I, I never really thought about that. You know what I mean? You, I think a lot of bodybuilders or people who come from that's the kind of the root of their training is bodybuilding they tend to have that idea right well as long as i just have protein all bloody day long but they they forget that that, you know there's you got to fuel the whole thing and you know you you kind of really drove that home to me that whole concept because i mean yeah there were there were a number of years you know towards the end of my bodybuilding thing where i was again i wasn't counting protein but i was almost protein obsessed as far as you know the sources I was going to were almost solely protein, you know, and it it, it for well, a then you're th- left th- with
0: a ton of building blocks and you know I've used this analogy a hundred times, and I know Phil's familiar with this too is you it, it's like bringing in bucket loads or truck loads of bricks, but not mm-hmm. having any gas in the bricklayer's equipment so your your building your your giant building will never get built because all you do is bring in bricks and what the body does with excess bricks is it deaminates those amino acids you pee away the nitrogen you basically piss it away so yeah. you've got to have the energy along with it. And, it, again, if people are interested, it's something like four or five extra hundred calories a day. So it's like 2,800 roughly surplus calories to knit together all those amino acids into a new pound of muscle. And we've, we've talked about this before, but I, I agree. I, and I think one of the questions that I wanted to bring up was do you see any mistakes that athletes make? And I think one of them is just what you're saying is if you obsess over protein and you ignore calories – uh I sat in an airport once with a guy and that he was telling me exactly that I'm like god this guy is so classic you know he's a hard lifter he had low body fat and he was mildly muscular but he sure wasn't big you mm-hmm. know yeah. and he's like I eat 400 grams of protein a day I don't know what I'm supposed to do I'm like well eat what some fuel you need- man you need yeah. fuel those are building you know, blocks
1: you know I'm going to say something here that's going to be very controversial but I've been thinking about this a lot lately you know how people are talking about how bodybuilders can you know the top pro bodybuilders say get, get, I've gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, bigger you know from, you know, Arnold's day and those, that, that type of thing. I'm of the different opinion that a lot of that is artificially built, artificially, uh, artificial size. Because if you look at the frames of a lot of those old-time bodybuilders, yeah, sure, the 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 volume of muscle and therefore, you know, what might have been depicted on, you know, the, the, the scale because of gut size and all that kind of inflated volume from drugs and stuff might be much greater, and of course it is. But if you look at the frames of a lot of those guys before, they were just, bigger guys and i think mm-hmm. and i mean yeah you could, you might say well it might just be the, the you know the, the specific pool um that are, you know that these guys are generating from you know but i don't think so i, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, again we've kind of over the decades protein 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 to the point where a lot of guys today really do forget about just total caloric intake and i, mm-hmm. and I think that affects Again, that affects more. And I'll, and again, I'll you tell can, you, Rob. You can I, talk to this more, but it, it, that that affects more than just just muscle accumulation, but just you know the growth of this just the the body period. You know what I mean? And That's why I think you see you know a lot of like monstrous world class strength athletes who are like three hundred and forty pounds, and people are mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, but he must be carrying a ton of fat. And it's like, well, maybe surface fat, but I mean, truthfully, if a lot of these guys dieted down.
0: Because hey, some it, it, level of fat comes with the muscle. That's just how the body yeah. normally Well, that's what react, I mean by
1: everything you know? growing. I mean, if you want to just be big, you can't just be like, oh, okay, I mean, you know, I just want to be muscular big. I mean, you, you have to look at the big picture of being, well, big is everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the skeletal system, the, 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 the joints, the, I mean, like you say, the accumulation of fat and muscle, an accumulation, yeah. I mean, just big, you know, like just big. Well, we not,
2: can- we can bring it back to our analogy we like using so much: dump trucks or like a, a tractor trailer. Sure, the thing can sit there and look look neat and look like it can do something, but if you want it to run, it has to have a bunch of fuel in the gas tanks. And you know, if you want a, a big strength athlete to be strong and be able to move around and do things, he has to be carrying some fuel.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, in fact, I read can, an article you know, um, this past week in one of the muscle magazines. I don't remember which one, and it was about intermittent fasting. And the guy was sort of going on about. You know he was really sort of championing not eating breakfast, and i'm like listen the the research behind eating breakfast is a little spottier than you might think. There is some good stuff about reduced cortisol, reduced you know upper respiratory tract infections or whatever. but the real benefit is listen that's another meal that you can get in mm-hmm. i oh, mean yeah. what, what I've noticed when I'm trying to gain weight, I don't want to sleep in until eight am If I can get up and have my first meal at five that's a whole nother meal." Yeah, You know, and that really, when you're trying to eat an extra 500 to 1,000 calories a day, that's really important to do that. Oh, for so, sure.
1: For sure. Um, I mean, I'm the opposite, right? Where I'm doing, I, I go to bed quite late, lately, just because of things that I'm doing. But I mean, I'm the whole kind of same way. It's like, you know, you get up two or three hours too late. And I mean, you're missing out on a full meal. And, and to people who are not, in you know, in pursuit of the things that you guys like us are in pursuit of, you think, oh, who gives a crap? But I mean... The, a whole meal is another five hundred to a thousand calories, man. You know, and, and yeah. when you're when at the day you know, day's end, man, you're looking you're kind of doing a rough estimate in your mind of how what much you've eaten. It's a big difference by set t- between saying, "Okay, I got my thirty-five hundred calories in," and saying, "Oh shit, I only got you know." 2200 calories in. Yeah, right. and
0: I'll tell you that will happen to me because of work schedule and mm-hmm. and things like that. I'll get wrapped up in something. I'll be like, "Oh god, I didn't eat." And then I just get really down on myself cuz skipping meals are it's not as bad as skipping a workout, but it's it's sure not good. Yeah. You know. And and that sort of thing. And Rob, something you said a, a moment ago, I wanted to just uh, add to, which was, you talked about sort of people getting, or we all were, people getting overzealous on just the building blocks. And I think that's part of the reason that you've got this. It's not just financial or some kind of conspiracy theory, like we were discussing before, necessarily. I, there might be some of that, but I think clinicians and health educators, dietitians, nurses, whoever, even physicians, I think sometimes they're a little bit down on protein because. It's almost a, a professional counterculture that's developed against the overzealous athletes. You know, they're, they're sick of hearing the umpteenth athlete come in and say, I eat hundreds of grams of protein a day. You know, and so they start by saying, oh, well, that's not helpful. In fact, it's wasteful. Well, And they're right in saying it's probably wasteful because, you know, there are hormonal realities about putting all this, you know, laying this down as tissue. But then they almost, they go too far. They get carried away and they start this counterculture. Like, in fact, it's bad for you. In fact it's hard on your kidneys and it weakens your right. bones and it gives you gout and it dehydrates you and they go on and on and on and the the literature just doesn't support a lot of that but again, I think it's almost a professional professional counterculture to the overzealous athletes
1: oh, of course well it's like when anything goes too far you always have the people that come in and, and, and want to you know go against that because it makes it right. seem like oh well you guys are just you know the, you guys are just the the, the newbies you, you know we know what's going on and you guys are all wrong kind of a thing and like you say. Part of that might be steeped in some sort of reality, but like I say, most people then go way too far because, because you say they, they want to, you know, they they don't want to be kind of three inches to the left; they want to go eight feet to the left. So they, you know, and then they that's,
0: they get dramatic in their dissuasion,
1: right? Yeah. And then that skews everything just that much more, right? It's like it's in, so.
0: Well, that brings uh, the, oh, go ahead, Phil.
1: I was just going to say, bring back to the other topic we were on was about the
2: athletes and leading. It's you know that that's probably the single biggest thing. That I've attacked as a strength coach, and more so when I was on the coasts than than in the Midwest. But getting people to eat—it's um, just amazing that you have, you know, you'll have people that, that want to aspiring to be a college football lineman, and they they want to maintain a six pack, and. You know, or yeah, yeah. just don't eat enough to maintain their...
0: Or just have bodybuilding goals, even if it's not necessarily performance-driven. Yeah, it's one of the classic mistakes. I'm going to get bigger and stay lean while I do it. Yeah. No, you're not.
1: <laughs>
2: no, you're not. Is, but there's yeah. two things I face. It's, yeah, people not eating enough and then overworking. There's a lot of that, too, but... Um, you know, and
1: that was that was actually me, Phil. It's You bring that up, and I mean, when I look towards the ending of my bodybuilding days... That was classic me, for sure. I mean, Lonnie can tell you. I mean, I was like the epic trainer guy. You know, I was like, not, not as far as marathoning training, but, you know, just doing, when you look at the total volume of work I would do in mm-hmm. you know, an hour and a half or something. I mean, that was me totally. Just crazy, crazy stuff. And yeah. But I wouldn't, and, and looking back now with all my more years of, you know, education and, you know, and, and seeing the reality of the situation, I think, geez, how did I not, how did I not like massively regress and wind up in a grave with the kind of work I would put my body through and not fuel? Like, because I mean, yeah. when you look at some of the stuff that guys like us in really particularly hard sessions will do, I mean, that's just
0: Well, that's why coaches crazy
1: are amounts of work effort, you know, and crazy amounts. I mean, the, the fuel that you're just just incinerating through you know exactly. and then you're thinking okay and after that you're going to go what have a can of tuna and a little bit of rice like really like
0: and you think that's going to get you somewhere it's discipline yeah. backfiring you know yeah uh, people have such discipline they make themselves go to the gym they train really hard but training hard is not the same thing as training smart and, no. and like you said that that discipline backfires at the dinner table too because they're like i have the discipline i'm just going to eat the tuna and the rice it's like Oh, you know, please uh, order a pizza from Phil. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know, we're mocking this guy summa cum laude with a master's degree. Yeah. No, I
1: know. Oh, poor Phil.
0: Uh, Okay, let me. Next question here. Um, Have you have you ever heard actually uh, strongly dissuasive uh, statements from health educators or dietitians or nurses or anything like that that you know you're off base. Again, even like despite what we talked about at the beginning of the episode about how bodybuilders and powerlifters and are often you know the first to experience something because of their self guinea pigging nature. Uh, have you ever been told that you're wacky because of the protein or anything oh. like that?
2: Oh yeah, of course. I think we we probably all have if you've been in it long enough. Um, I just don't even get in the argument anymore. I mean it's not
1: worth it.
0: You know what? <laughs> well, it's funny. You know, yeah, you slap them in the face. You're just like, you know, yeah. you're right. It's killing me. Yep. <laughs> See you later. Yeah, most That's of the nice guys will tell
1: you that. Are the guys who are sitting there with a you know bottle of beer and a cigarette in their hand.
2: Yeah, or a vegan that comes up. That's killing. Well, okay.
1: I'm, you know I'm what? Keep, strangely I'm, enough, um, keep struggling, curling I, your broccoli. I, I haven't encountered maybe because just my 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 circle of reality for so many years has been people who are you know if not directly linked with what I do, but you know indirectly. But I don't. I've actually not heard from like face to face very often. I've read quite a bit, though I've read. I have
0: heard mostly through professional, like through dietitians and nurses, that I've I've heard say that a lot, uh, and occasionally a physician, but less often a physician actually, because I think they've got a better beat on things uh, in a lot of ways. But you know even one I- of the even the one of the reviewers, dude, for this book for the dietary protein and resistance exercise, this book, one of the reviewers. Uh, he, he essentially said, and now there were three or four reviewers that were very much the opposite, of course, very positive, but one negative guy said, the literature is crystal clear, protein does nothing for athletes or building muscle, I hope this doesn't become a book that just champions, you know, excessive protein, useless, damaging protein, just on and on and on, and I actually spun this guy's review around on him and said, see, see how emotional this is, you know, that's why we need a book like this. Look at yeah. the emotion that you're exhibiting. I mean, this guy was just on a tirade, you know, and of course, he's wrong. I mean, the literature <laughs> is very supportive that protein in con- conjunction with resistance exercise is, you know, it's a one plus one equals three kind of situation. So yeah. uh, it's just amazing to me. And I, again, I've heard it a lot from the nurses and, and dietitians. Once I was actually in a meeting and one of them walked in and she actually, I actually heard, quote, those meatheads and their protein. And I thought, well, and look at you—you're forty percent body fat, even though you're underweight. You know, uh,
1: you, you you're a, you're a flab.
0: You, you, you're nothing but bone and fat. You know, well, what is you it? Look the, like what, hell. Is,
1: what is yeah. the wording that you and I, well, all three of us use all the time? You know, when when you see these guys, we what, what kind of words we use? I mean, you, you know, uh, certainly a, a an Iron Radio type of word like "flashy," but you know, doughy, you know, soft right. doughy. You know, and that, that, those are the kind of people that it's just, and, but something I want to add is, yeah, I'm always, I'm always shocked actually with that when I do get into a, you know, a semi-conversation with somebody who isn't part of, you know, this world or the periphery of it, you know, when you start talking about protein, you actually, I, I and I've gotten this numerous times and it always kind of flabbergasts me. They say, well, what's protein? Not that they haven't heard the word, not that they don't understand it, it's, a, you know, it's a part of food. But they don't know where to get it at all. Yeah. Actually, like, Robin, let me let me interject. But that's right amazing here to me.
0: That's where a lot of people make mistakes, and I think even dietitians. And again, not all dietitians are like this. I'm really pointing out the worst case scenarios. I really am. Uh, but I think we get a lot of confusion between what the protein, which is protein, the nutrient, and protein foods that are sources of protein. So you, sure. when you hear stuff like high protein diets or low fiber diets. Mm -hmm. Or high-protein diets or high-saturated fat, high-cholesterol diets. It's like those people are assuming Big Mac-based diets, frankly. And they're not thinking about skinless, boneless chicken breasts and and, um, low-fat cottage cheese and eggs, egg whites. Uh, You get the idea. Lean beef. So they're confusing protein, the nutrient, with protein foods. Because, of course, foods are collections of different nutrients. And I think we need to to be very careful.
1: That's a great point because I've actually never even considered that before, but yeah, I think you're dead, dead, dead right on that one.
0: Okay, let's have fun with this as we wind down then. Favorite protein dishes, staple sources. Rob, I know what your breakfasts are like. Why don't you start with that? I think everybody knows what you eat for breakfast, but.
1: You you know, I, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, eggs. I mean, I, I, I'm an egg guy. I eat one to two dozen eggs a day. Have for many, many, many years. Sorry? Oh, yeah, like like easily. I mean, I have six every morning. I used to have 12, but now I have six, and gosh, I'll have a egg, making myself an egg sandwich, you know, at night. And I'll, you know, certainly, you know, most days I'll have a, you know, six egg, you know, shake, where I just put six eggs and some milk and a banana in and just back that down. I'm an egg guy. I mean, but yeah. I eat Oh, a lot by
0: of the meat. way, listeners, if you hear somebody do what Rob does and throw raw eggs into a shake, you might hear somebody say, "Oh, all that egg white that can b- bind up, uh, you know, B vitamins." Uh, there's a protein in raw eggs called avidin, but you would have to eat dozens of raw eggs, even more than Rob does every day, to get biotin deficiency. So don't don't sweat it. If you hear something about that. Uh I wouldn't sweat it too much. If they're fresh eggs, they're probably not gonna make you, you know, biotin deficient or something kooky.
1: And you like always that. hear people saying, Oh, you know, you can get sick from an egg in you know, a raw. Salmonella. Eggs and something. Oh. Yeah, and, and you know what? Food. I'm not I mean I'm not the scientist here, so I'm not gonna talk to the statistics on the, the possibilities of that happening. What I can say is from observationally, as a forty two year old guy who's been eating <laughs> just I don't even want to start to imagine the stack of freaking eggs I've eaten in the last twenty five years. I mean I've never once been sick from an egg. Uh, hey,
0: let me offer this. Uh, I think people will be very surprised at this, but here's a quote from a senior dietitian that I spoke with just a couple of years ago. She said, I would never say this to the public, but there is more foodborne illness from vegetables in the marketplace <laughs> than from meats or eggs. Mm-hmm. How about wow. that?
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's quite, um, quite a statement. So, surprising. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, outside, outside of eggs, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I eat a lot of meat. You know, I eat a lot of chicken. I eat a lot of, a lot of steak. Um, so, and I still usually have one or two glasses of milk a day. Um, it's just kind of, so those are my staples for sure. I mean,
0: yeah. now, Phil, are you, I'm gonna bite my tongue just for a minute until I hear what you say. What about you with eggs? Are you a big egg guy? Or? Not really,
2: not really. I mean, I, well, I I raise my own chicken, so we have eggs here. But, so I eat, I eat my share, but not a lot, nowhere near like Rob. I mean, there's days where I won't go, I'll go without eggs. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I, I like my protein to have legs. Yeah. <laughs>
0: you
1: <know? Wow. laughs> feel like
0: your protein once had a face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I'm big on meat. Uh,
1: <laughs> so. How about you,
0: I, I, Well, for me, it's um, I start almost every day with I'll have um, two or three whole eggs, usually like the omega three kind of you know uh, uh, eggs that have the omega three fats in them. Uh, and about egg eight uh eggs worth of egg beaters and it's not cuz I'm trying to really avoid the yolks necessarily i just like the it. it really m- makes great omelets kind of uh but i really changed i'd say over the last 2 years since uh, i was getting ready for my last competition uh i really switched away from just i was i like 80% dairy powders you know whey and casein and that sort of thing and i really switched over to a lot more eggs and uh i like it i love eggs <laughs> yeah so well, they're very handy. Rob off. no. I like I literally like I said, two or three uh every morning and then maybe for second breakfast I'll have a bowl of oatmeal, a nice big bowl of oatmeal with uh maybe thirty grams of whey protein or spike it with a little leucine uh amino acid, of course. But yeah. Uh, that's where Later, i
1: mean you know and and you're right like i mean again i it, it, from a from a convenience standpoint hey i mean also the fact that if you're carrying them around raw they tend tend to break but i mean um they're pretty convenient and you can do so much with them you know like lately i've been really i I even mentioned this a couple minutes ago lately i've been really into me just whipping myself up a three or four egg sandwich and i'll just you know uh mix them up the full egg you know three or four of them throw them in the pan you know fold them over three or four times when they start and start you know getting hard and then slap it between two pieces of brown bread and i'm good to go and i mean i you know and you i usually have a you know a couple of omega fat tabs with a glass of milk with that and i mean to me that's just a just a fine and dandy powerlifting type of snack you know what i mean and mm-hmm. uh I, you know i estimate probably you know six or seven hundred calories there and you're good to go and it's easy to you do. Know? I can, I can have that done in under 10 minutes, you know, from the time I make it to the time I eat it. So. And I, should, and I mean, you've talked a lot about that too, about the whole thing where you are, when you are eating as frequently as guys like us, I mean, you, you have to consider to a certain degree the convenience factor because oh, they, yeah. none of us can. I, I,
2: I, I cook ahead.
1: Yeah, because other, otherwise if you're trying to eat four or five, six meals a day, if, if it's all stuff that requires, you know, huge amounts of preparation, I mean, you'd be finished one, meal finish doing the dishes and you'd be right into preparing yeah. for the next one so you have to consider those types of things you
0: really so. do and i'll tell you what rob i i don't know if um if this is true of everybody maybe i'm just lazy but i was talking to jim Hiran there in uh the gym owner in winona and he was agreeing that sadly even though i have cases of whey and casein powder from different companies uh I will tend to drink ready-to-drink stuff from, like, the VPX people. They sent me a case of ready-to-drink protein, and it's amazing because that stuff's in, like, those Mm -hmm. non-refrigerable carton kind of things. Right. I will drink ready-to-drink stuff uh, and comply with my diet a lot better than if I have to mix it up. And you might be like, God, you're so lazy. You can't even (laughs) shake up the powder in some water. Now, I do do that, but... Even easier still, I grab mm-hmm. those ready-to-drinks or like a muscle milk or something. Those are just so easy to slam. But you know, uh, it's so
1: e- it's so easy for people who are not of our ilk of our world. It's so easy for people to say, "Oh, you know." I'll be, but I mean, really, truly, eating becomes a, a nuisance. I mean, ninety-five yes. percent of my meals are not in any way, shape, or form enjoyment. I'm like, God, I got to eat again. You know, it's like it's almost like the last meal I have of any day. It's almost like I throw my hand up and go, yes, done. <laughs> you know,
0: yeah. I don't, Cross the I don't finish have, line, the dietary to, finish line. You know, and
1: people, and I mean, anybody can, and I've, you know, had people are like, oh, you gotta eat more, and, blah, blah, and some young guy will be like, oh, no problem, right? And Like a week later, you know, oh yeah, I mean, but two weeks later, you know, it's like, oh man, how do you, you know, it's easy to, to kind of ramp it up for three or four days, but when you're consistently trying to make that a lifestyle, year in, and year out, you start thinking about things like that. And so for people who are like, like look down, and saying, oh, lazy for, you know, I mean, after a while, you're just like, man, I just want to get the calories in and yeah. move and move on. You know what yeah. I mean? I, I, I'm this is not about sitting down with a candle on the table and <clears throat> you know. I mean, <laughs> this, this is <laughs> right. about stuff right. the food down the freaking <laughs> gullet and exactly. move on. That's, so my wife had a big
2: deal with me. How the hell can you just eat that? Because I'll I'll make some and I'll eat it all week long, and I don't have a problem with that because it's just food. I'm just looking to get calories sure. in it. I mean, I can. It's like she's like, How do it's
0: utility. You know? like, it's just, it's just fuel. That's it. Yeah. Well, I mean, no, like now it can be pleasurable too. I mean, and I know oh, that yeah. we all know oh, that. for sure. Yeah. You know, but ninety percent of the time it's not. Yeah, yeah I you know. know it's I, I like a
2: great meal, but I mean, yeah. Like I, I put up the picture a couple of weeks ago where I cooked a big twenty-two quart pot of like meat and rice, and that was all I ate. You know, ninety percent of the time. You know, I had three or four bowls of that a day yeah. with other meals, but I I made. 32 burritos this weekend. It's like, there you go. I got something nice. to just grab and go.
0: You know yeah. what, Phil? That's so. funny. You're saying that when I was in San Diego and I was gaining a lot of weight mm-hmm. when I was out there in grad school, uh, I would make, I'd get up, uh, I would make six, uh, ground, I would use ground turkey at the time, mm-hmm. but uh, ground turkey burritos and, and just eat them for lunch. And so. I mean, most of the people that were around me are like, Oh my God, you know, because you're just <laughs> boom, boom. These are like, I don't know, they're probably half a pound a piece, yeah. you know, but, uh, yeah, burritos are, are very handy. Yeah. 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 No, it's, and, and,
1: and, and it's kind of like a double-edged sword because once once you've been doing this for 10 20 years you know training consistently you know hard and properly and eating to a modicum of, of properly I mean you get to a point where you're carrying so much mass and so much size that it's like okay well the only way you can really go if you really slack off is down because just to maintain requires at least as much of what you've been doing mm-hmm. you know and if you're still trying to progress, then you got to go you know i'm tr- i'm still trying to you know hit that 300 pounds marker. i've hit it once or twice after a, you know a, a greasy uh, greasy pizza the night before but you know right now i've kind of reset we talk so much this is actually interesting anyway just kind of yeah. a side note i've kind of my body has kind of reset at about 293 not 294 um so you know and so now i'm like okay well now i got to you know ramp it up again and it's just it's just this constant thing where it's like God damn! You just have to keep fueling and fueling more and more and more. So it's like it's it's well, but but at the same time, you have to look at the end the end result, right? It's like, well, what do you try and achieve and if 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 that's what you do, then that's what you do. But I mean, yeah. So I mean, it, it's it's like this thing where it's like this, it feeds itself, right? I mean, the more exciting you you get, the more you have to eat to maintain it or get bigger, and the more well, bigger. And Rob, you your get...
0: meals are so utilitarian too. Like Phil, I see a lot of creativity as I'm looking through this book. If I could just share. You know, he's got these calorie, he sneaks calories in delicious ways onto the protein. Like, he, these, I'm looking at all these, this, all this bacon slathered all over these burgers. I mean, it's, it's raw, it's on the grill. And I know you're talking, you know what I'm talking about, Phil, some of these mm-hmm. pictures. Bacon, uh, bacon slathered burgers. There's these sausages next to a giant steak. I mean, no, n- normal people have some kind of side dish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the sausages aren't the side dish. And over here we've got, um, uh, it's, it's like a surf and turf, this monster steak, and then all these like uh, fried and, and broiled shrimp. Here's some more sausages. Uh, you know, so there's, there's some, I got to stop looking at this book's making me hungry. Meat with a sign of meat. <laughs> That's right, absolutely. Now don't get me wrong, you know there, there are there's a picture or two in here of uh, beans and legumes <laughs> just to try to elf it up a little bit. But yeah, no doubt it's it's. I'm on a
2: rice kick lately.
0: Amazing rice. I don't know oh yeah, at all.
2: yeah. I've been. It's, it, it, allows me to put in more calories, I think.
0: What do you mix, what protein are you mixing with the rice?
2: Um, like chicken and, and sausage and stuff. <laughs> There's that sausage <laughs> Yeah, anything I can get all of. Yeah. I'm making like a, just a huge thing of like fried rice with mm-hmm. just all kinds of meat in
1: it. And yeah, it's good. No, I, I'm the first one to admit, man. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a pretty dry guy, man. If you're, if you're looking for some sort of creativity or some sort of tastiness to, uh, you know, that's not me. I mean, yeah. I, I'm if, sure if, what I. If
0: Rob Food blogged, there'd be like crickets. <laughs> Nobody yeah, no. would be playing, paying attention at all. They'd be all asleep. Dude, again, you know, more eggs. That's just a regular plate of eggs. Again, that's not cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 I do, man. I, I, eat, I eat the same things over and over again. Now I eat a lot of good stuff. I mean, in the, in the last few years, I've, I've made an absolute like every day. I have a gigantic plate of raw vegetables. Um, and I wolf that down. It usually takes me half an hour because as you can imagine, but yeah. and it's a lot, but I do that every day. Um, but again, even that, see now that I'm doing that, now that's just the same thing every day. You know, I have, you know, my, like I call it my vegetable platter. You know, I have that. I have, it's just the same crap every day, but I don't know. I don't yeah. know. You need what's to mix it up, Rob. Well, I know. And I, it's, it's, it's I, i had past girlfriends say the same thing, but I'm not I, yeah. I could start
2: up. you need to call my business more and I can deliver food to you.
1: oh my God, yeah, I can deliver pizzas to you. you <laughs> yeah, sausage pizza
0: Sumo that's my sumo cum laude pizza Come yep, your way. that's my new
2: I got two new business things, and that's going to be one of them. my new food business to deliver to Rob, and then I'll have to tell you guys my other secret million dollar idea. <laughs> oh you'll love, it.
0: you'll love it Hey, I want to leave everybody with one thing because we are out of time. Uh, and that is one of the mistakes I think a lot of people make is they wolf down protein bars, seeking their protein. You probably heard me bitch about this before, but um, if you you have to actually look at the ingredients list, and they're very hard to read because there's a lot of parentheses and brackets. Like you know, it, here's the icing on it, here's the the cream filling in it. But when you actually look closely, a lot of brands of protein bars, uh, in the top few ingredients, you'll see collagen or gelatin, and those are biologically almost useless proteins. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to have at least, well, there's roughly nine essential amino acids that you have to consume. Your body doesn't make. So to be a complete protein, you've got to have all those essential amino acids. And a lot of these protein bars, they don't come out and say it. If you read, if you stop at reading just the numbers at the label, at the nutrition facts label, it'll say, oh, 20 grams of protein or 25 grams of protein. But cl- literally 12, 15, 18 grams of that could be collagen or gelatin. I mean, collagen is hooves and horns, people. Nobody's getting big on hooves and horns. Uh, <laughs> think about uh, um, uh, pork rinds. It'll, sometimes it, you'll look at the label It'll say 8 grams of protein, and then parentheses, not a significant source of protein. That's because mm-hmm. that's collagen. That's useless. It's skin. Um, so uh, beware the protein bars. I once wrote an article called Bogus Bars, and you don't see that same problem with the powders, or to my knowledge, even the ready to ready to drink kind of beverages. But um, yeah, beware the bars because they're convenient as hell, but they could be conveniently useless. Yeah. <laughs> right,
2: convenient waste of money.
0: So. All right, guys, <clears throat> that was a good show. Good show. Right on. So and don't like forget I, like, post post your epic protein meal.
1: Yeah, so. and uh, look look for the uh, the part with the, the little side note there that uh, Phil's already made, so we don't again have to sift through. Mountains and mountains, pages of things, just to find them. So,
2: people are up probably already on our listener page wondering what the hell I'm talking about. To them. Yeah, because it's already up. But
1: yeah. sounds good. All right, guys.
0: Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the Hey, IronRadio.org listeners, this is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and Protein, you can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes, everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types practical applications and case studies this is a textbook it's not what i would call an industry book this is not pseudoscience this is the state-of-the-art science and if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake this will be something you can hold up and say this is what the letter literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or increased muscle mass over time or leanness